Welcome to the podcast about two good friends sharing stories to surprise and delight each other. I'm Courtney Farrell. And I'm Mason New. And this is I Got One For You. Hello, everybody. It's Mason New. I'm Courtney Farrell. And this is the podcast, I Got One For You, which is conversations between two friends where we just try to surprise and delight. Um, Mason, I got one for you. All right. And I I wanted to read you an excerpt from one of my favorite authors. And I think you know this guy. It's Rick Riley. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So he wrote the, the article in the back of Sports Illustrated. Right. And for me, growing up, it was the only reason to open up Sports Illustrated. The, the Most of the articles didn't interest me, but he, I absolutely loved because he's a king of analogies. Okay. In fact, I'm going to say this. I think he's actually better at comparing things to other things than even my favorite poet, Billy Collins. <gasps> I know. I said it. I put it out there. So, Rick Riley. Whoa. Wait a minute. <clears throat> Billy Collins. I know. Don't tell Billy. <laughs> okay. Don't tell Billy. I, I won't. So this is this book. It's called The Life of Riley. It's it, the best of his Sports Illustrated articles. Okay. And I, I do not have this book. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I am excited about this, that you're going to read this. Okay. Well, I'm going to buy you a copy of this book because everyone should have a copy of this book. So this is a, just a quick article. I'm not going to read the whole thing, just the first paragraph. And it says this. The title is The Team I Love to Hate. Ooh. It's November 1st, 1999. Heard somebody grumble the other day that this year's New York Yankees are hard to hate. That statement is just so ignorant. Always remember this. No Yankee team is hard to hate, even those small ball Ken Dog Bronx bunters. That's why I'm coming out with my three-volume series, The 4,008 Best Reasons to Hate the New York Yankees. Among them, one, they fired Red Barber. Two, they hired Steve Howe, a seven-time drug offender. 364, rooting for the Yankees takes all the courage, imagination, conviction, and baseball intelligence of spam. It's like rooting for Brad Pitt to get the girl or for Bill Gates to hit scratch and win. This is why I'm proposing legislation that would allow only those born in one of the five New York boroughs to be Yankees fans. All of the others who root for the team will be considered over-dog-loving ever-ready chucking, bandwagon-hopping, fair-weather, brown-nosing, pucker-lipped human goiters and to be required to turn in their pinstriped underwear or be tossed into the East River with only Chuck Knobloch to throw them a life preserver. (laughs) Oh, I can see why you like those analogies. Oh, I love them. But here's my question. Do you have a team that you love to hate and, or do you just have a team that you love? Oh, well, it, it, but before I answer that question, I do want to say something for the record here. Because we have, I know, one very loyal Yankees fan who is a big fan of our podcast. And I am certain we are going to hear <laughs> from him. And you know who you are out there. Uh, you can just send us to the podcast email. But uh, anyhow, um, well, I mean, uh, you know, that's funny. I I there are some people that are just super into their sports teams. Um, I never really had a college team that I, I rooted for, but I, the, the team that I just loved that I really fell in love with was the Washington nationals baseball team, which 
you know, that when they came to town, we were up there living in Alexandria. It was exciting to go to all the games. We used to take the kids to the games when they were little. And I just, I love, I, I, I never played baseball to any degree, really. But I just fell in love with the game through that team. It's, it's so much fun to go to those games. Gotcha. So it's just interesting because I think it's, I think it's a fascinating thing to actually love to hate a sports team. Like you just yes. decided, like th- they're it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna rooting against you with everything I've got, no matter what. Yeah, and and obviously, like the real fanatical fans. I mean, they were, you know, that they really did. There are some that really hate. They really hate the other team. I mean, they really, really hate the other team, and there are all kinds of rivalries are, are related to that. When when I was a kid, you know, I mean, I guess you know there it was the Washington. It's now the Washington football team, but it was the Washington Redskins, and it was the Washington Redskins and the Dallas Cowboys. And I remember you were either a Cowboys fan or a Redskins fan, or you were like something else, like a Rams fan, and no one wanted to talk to you <laughs> if you were a Rams fan. Sorry, Rams fan. Um, but it, you know, I I don't know. It, it is an interesting concept. I love to hate another sports team. It's just well, no, it's so, it's interesting because so. You know, I'm a runner. We, I mm. never had, I never had like, I never even experienced too much of what a what a, a sports team, like what that even experiences. Not that running isn't its own team; it certainly is, and certainly has its very very team orientation. But it's not the same as sitting down and watching a game from the beginning to an end, and the ups and downs that happen. One team's winning, and then the other team. I mean running just plays out a little bit differently. So it really hasn't been until my adult life and my really my parenting life that I've gotten to experience the highs and lows of sort of the organized sport, the organized team that comes together. And you've coached a lot of them. You played on a lot of teams, right? Like traditional teams, a lacrosse team or a football team well, or a basketball team. So I w- I, I was not a, a athlete to any satisfaction almost all of my friends were at some point I, I just I just didn't have the genetics I was uh blessed with small but slow <laughs> <laughs> of stature <laughs> and speed um but you know the, the I'll tell you though I, I was very nervous when I came when I started teaching uh because coaching was part of it it's part and, of the deal yeah. yeah and I you know one I didn't play sports I mean, I played them when I was growing up, and I played on, you know, some JV teams and middle school teams and stuff like that, football and lacrosse and those kind of things. But I I, I was very self-conscious about it because I hadn't been a very good player. And um, so when I when it came time, like, oh, I had to coach, that was a completely new experience. I was very, very concerned about that. But what happens is, you know, you coaching and playing – are two very different, completely different things, and and I learned a lot about athletics coaching. It was really one of the highlights of my professional life. I, I feel so blessed to have been a coach at a low level. That was fine, but I just I loved it. So you had a you had a JV lacrosse team, right? So I coached I coached JV football for a while, and then the entire time I coached what was the JVB uh-huh. lacrosse team, which was also, it had a, a, a pejorative, it was called the junior lacrosse team, and it was sort of 
thought of as a real, you know, it was really low if you were on that. So when I came, became the head coach, I adopted basically like straight out of the Marine Corps, what I'd learned in training, which was no, we're, we're going to be an elite exclusive group and no one got cut from the team. And, uh, there were some years where there were big squads and there were some years where they were small, but whenever a kid came from the JV team, so he had gotten cut from the JV team. Right. Right. And, and, and I knew that he was going to get cut because the other coach had told me. And so it would be a practice and I'd see him walking over, <laughs> you know, heads oh, hanging God. down because he's coming to the junior lacrosse team he's got a, which, he's got a stick dragging behind yeah, him like a tail exactly exactly <laughs> you know just sort of shuffling along and i had total i we, i would not allow them to call it the junior lacrosse team we were the juggernaut which is a wholly unstoppable force if you need to know the definition that is great <laughs> the juggernaut yeah, we were the juggernaut and um so when anyway so when the the jv kids would get cut and they come over to me, the first thing I said to them, I looked them in the eye and go, congratulations on your promotion. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, what, I just got cut? No, you didn't. You, you got d- moved up. up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And did they love the, Did they love being called the juggernaut? Oh, yeah, I mean, they really got into it. You know, An because unstoppable was, force, is that what it is? It's a wholly unstoppable force. A wholly it's a, unstoppable it's, force. Well, and, and there's actually... There's actually sort of a, uh, it's rooted in, I, I believe, a Hindu tradition of, of sacrifice and some other things that are associated with the juggernaut. But the, the real meaning of it is it's just a, it's a, it's an unstoppable force. So, but the juggernaut, I mean, those were great years for me because I had, you know, I hadn't had a good experience with a coach. And so I really tried very hard to make it a good experience for the players and I, you know, there were times I didn't do it well. And there were times when, you know, some kids felt hurt because they didn't get as much playing time as they wanted to or something like Are that. Are you surprised? Were you surprised when you were coaching how much you felt like you were a part of the team? So did you feel that? Could you feel yes. that you were a, you were all, it was almost like you were the nucleus of the team? Um, yes. And well, there's two parts. That, that's a very, very interesting question because there's two parts of it. The coach really can't do that much to affect the outcome of the game because the game is played by you know, the coach cannot control it himself or herself because you know because it's the player out there doing it. But you know you're trying to put the players in the position for the best success. I mean that's the point of the of the coach. So you feel a part of it, but at the same time you're disconnected from it because you have to make decisions to put the players in the right spot for them to be successful. But I'll tell you, there is no, there. Uh, the, I, I taught some great classes. I mean, some amazing discussions about literature or poetry, but nothing compared to coaching a group of kids to winning a game. <laughs> it's so exciting. <laughs> it's so exciting. It is so exciting. I remember when I first met Wordy and we, we were, I don't know, on a date or something and we were talking about Sports, that's kind of funny. This isn't total aside. When I first met Wordy, one of my first dates, and I could tell already, it was a running date. I was like, You want to go for a run? Anyway, mm-hmm. he sh- That was not a date that I was <laughs> ever <laughs> no, going no. to do. So bad. Would you like to go on a walk? It was so bad. 
So I we sh- I show up at his house and he he comes outside and he's wearing shorts over sweatpants and he's got on a pair of shoes that look like they're they have been in the James River many times <laughs> without being dried out. So instantly I thought, okay, not a runner. This is going to be a short. This will be around the block. This is just an excuse mm-hmm. to be able to see this cute guy who apparently doesn't know how to dress. Anyway, I thought I would drop some of my knowledge, my sports <laughs> knowledge, and I'd read in the paper that UVA was playing a team. <clears throat> so I said, are you excited about the game, UVA playing the, the Illies? And he the said, what? He said, <laughs> You mean the Illini? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the Illies. The Illies. So right from the very beginning of our relationship, it was clear that yeah. he was not going to be a runner and that I was okay. not going to be a sports fan. <laughs> we, we, got that, we got that taken care of first date. Here's who we really are. The Illies and shorts over the sweatpants. <clears throat> That's not why I'm telling you that story. We were talking, and I think I might have asked him who his favorite teams were or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, my my favorite teams are high school teams. And I remember thinking at the time, I didn't I didn't have any sports knowledge, but I, I, my whole life I had seen that it was kind of cool to have sports knowledge. And now here's this guy telling me that his favorite teams are high school teams. And so I had this little thought in my mind, like, really? Mm. Is that okay? Are you allowed to think that your favorite teams are high school teams? Is that even is that allowed? And 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 in this like you know is Ditka guys <laughs> drinking beers in the bar that Saturday Night Live makes fun of with the mustaches and the you know are they going to be okay with this? And um, I have to say there was a part of me right after where I realized like I think this is why I like this guy because that that's my favorite thing too. Mm. I love. High oh, school. That's, a, that's so cool. Sport because you you know the kids mm-hmm. and they're new. They're not, you know, they're they're not specially trained, professionally paid athletes oh, who are course. out there I, to I, machine like do their job right. and then yeah. they're they're just kids. They came from history class. They probably half of them are grounded for doing something <laughs> stupid at home, and they're out in the field trying to see if their brain can connect to their leg which grew two inches last night and the other <laughs> leg didn't and you know they're trying to put it all together and it's really exciting I mean, my favorite team right now in the world is the Padres and if you think I'm talking about the real Padres I can honestly tell you I don't even know where that team is <laughs> I'm talking about the one that's playing in the Richmond Little League you know diamond pitch whatever you call it yeah, field yeah. sport <laughs> course track Whatever you call that thing, baseball diamond. Thank, thank you. you. Thank no, no, thank you. Yeah, the baseball track. No. My point is, yeah, is know. I'm cheering for the Padres tomorrow night. Yeah, and it's 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 U10, right? Right. It's, you're eight to ten years old tomorrow night on that diamond, and it's awesome. It's so exciting to see. Well, yeah, uh, I I did coach little league baseball for a little while uh, after the the after leaving Episcopal High School. And the neat thing about Little League Baseball is, you know, you got the the daisy pickers out in the outfield sometimes, but, you know, at least there, everybody gets a chance to play different positions. And the more important thing is everybody gets a chance to bat. Everybody, which basically means that everybody has a moment where they are standing on a frying pan. Yeah, 
And there's a guy who's trying to get him out. There's 11 people, describe me if I'm wrong, who are hoping that you strike out. <laughs> there's a bunch of parents who are hoping it. Yeah. And there's a whole bunch of other people who are like, that's right. That's right. Come on. That's right. Good look. Good look. Now you're ready. I'm trying to get the lingo, you know? You're getting there. You're I'm getting, getting there. I've got a long way to go. We, we, one year we had this kid who uh, he, he, he struck out every single at-bat. And, and he was he was a, a sweet kid. And, but he tried and tried and tried. But he'd get up there and he just couldn't do it. And then about almost towards the end of the season – He's up there, and and he's and I can see his face because I was the first base coach, and and he gets a hit, right? But before he got, but before he got a hit, he just had this look on his face like I'm going to hit this ball. <laughs> so after the game, I walked up to his parents and I said, "You know what Winston Churchill said?" And they go, "No." And he goes, "I like a man who grins when he fights." <laughs> <laughs> and that's what this boy that's what this little boy was doing. He was up there grinning and he hit that ball and he ran to first and he was the it's happiest like kid in America. Happiest kid. <laughs> it is so much fun to watch. And it's crazy also how it can make you feel as in a as a spectator. Oh, I mean that's for sure. the emotion that yeah. is involved in sport and the emotion that is involved in investing in a team of people. I mean, it's one, you can cheer on an individual, and that's fun, but it's it's one moment. You know, you want mm -hmm. the individual to do well. Yay, the individual scored a goal. Yay, the individual did this. When you watch a team play well and all succeed together, there is something amazingly visceral. It's almost like it's a butterfly effect. What I mean by that, maybe a caterpillar effect, that your entire insides turn to liquid and they get reformulated <laughs> to the end of the game. Good analogy. It's just it's it's so fun. I don't. Did you watch that UVA win the national championship? Do you even care that they did? Because I know it's not your. I, I did. I watched it and I cheered them on. But I wasn't. I'm not a, a rabid, you know, fan. But I would. But that you know, I didn't go to a school that had Division One sports. I mean, I imagine that if you go to the school, then you just get pulled into that. That must have been super exciting. Well, it was the first time our middle child Rosewell had ever really vested in a team mm -hmm. and she'd watched all their stuff so by the time the playoffs oh, came up she was just she, she was she, she was thought, into it this is the way sports go uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh darling <laughs> enjoy this moment yeah right. you're gonna peak at 11 right, right but when they won maybe the i don't know whatever that is three to the finish where you know i'm obviously showing my ignorance here i don't have any of the sports lingo the not the semifinals for the great eight what did it what is it help me oh the elite eight the, yeah, the, whatever. Wait, they wait. had two more games after the, this one I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. When they won that, our family, our collective family, lost their minds. We've <laughs> never lost our minds together, all of us. We've certainly <laughs> lost our minds as individuals from time to time, but we've never all done it at the same time. It was the most incredible moment of collective euphoria. I mean, I was homesick yeah. for the moment before it even ended. It was mm. like we were... We were chest butting the wall because that's what we projected onto the wall. We were actually like, like it's just amazing that a group of boys in Charlottesville could make a family in Richmond yeah, isn't that feel that way. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, that that is one of the great appeals of sports, right? It's it's spontaneous, it's improvised. You don't know the outcome, and you're just you're 
euphor- euphoria is the exact right word for it when it when it goes your way and then just utter despair if and and i think it was um the french writer albert camus who he he uh, some people call him an existentialist some people call him absurdist it doesn't really matter he he was a philosophical writer he wrote the stranger which is his most popular book anyway he loved soccer football and he he wrote this one piece about it and he and he was saying like the actual activity of sports is completely meaningless. It's completely contrived, and it yet it is full of meaning all at once. Wow! Because and if you think about it, that's the way it works, right? Like the any sporting events is is just a contrived uh, event. You know, Here's a ball. Put, yeah, and you're just it's just contrived. Yet, <clears throat> excuse me. Yet. Um, but it's full of meaning, meaning of win-lose, individual people doing well, coach making the right decision, coach making the wrong decision. It's got all of the things of life right there, and it's a completely contrived scenario. It, it It's so funny. So my niece, this is years ago, but she, in the seventh grade, maybe the sixth grade, she signed up for cross-country. And she went and was running, I think, at uh, Fork Union, which is a school about 40 minutes to the west of us. And <clears throat> I drove up there, and I had remembered running there as a young person, but I got there thinking I was just going to go cheer my niece on. And instead, what happened was something just, <laughs> it was the most absurd activation of emotion and the the gun went off and there she is running and I'm cheering her on and then I'm running to go to the next spot because I don't want to stay there I want to go see her other places and in between from where I'm cheering her on I burst into tears crying <laughs> until I can see her again Aww. and then I'm cheering I'm so excited and cheering her on cheering her on and then I'm <laughs> crying running to the next place <laughs> like there's it was it's such a it, you're right. If you just talk about it, it's nothing. It's a bunch of people that are running around some cones. Who cares? Mm-hmm. And yet it is so attached to emotion and doing something really, really asking something of yourself, knowing someone's out there asking something of themselves really, really, really hard, and then getting the, like the honored chance to get to see someone do that. Everything else is stripped away from them. It's just... And you're putting yourself out there. You know, you can fail or you can succeed or, uh, but it, that, <laughs> I got one for you though. You'll appreciate this. So one year, um, and then also, you know, you got, you got strategy, right? So the coach is responsible for that. Now, you know, so these guys on the juggernaut, I mean, most of some of them had played lacrosse before and just weren't big enough to make it to the, the next level team. Most of the guys had never played before, which is lacrosse is sort of an unusual thing now. Like there are a lot of little leagues and stuff like that. Anyway, we had this one. This one kid on our team named Max. And Max was from Cologne, Germany. And he had con- he was only there for a year. He'd never even seen lacrosse before. And his parents had told him, you know, you should play tennis. You play tennis, you know. And he said, no, I'm only here for a year. I want to I learn how to play lacrosse. 
And and Max was a very smart guy. He was athletic guy, and it was really interesting because he wanted to understand like the order of operations, like how what is the how does the defense work? How does the how does the offense work? How does the strategy work? And I'm like, well, Max, it's, <laughs> I don't I don't really know. I know I'm the coach, but I don't really know. <laughs> Yeah. Why don't you read this book and tell me all about it? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we're in this one game, and Max played defense because that was a logical place for his abilities, and you know, and but he he was a competitive guy and and wanted to play hard, and and uh, and so he said, uh, I, I said, well, I want you to mark up on this guy, and. So he was marking up on the on this other uh, kid, and and that kid was doing pretty well against him. Like he scored a couple goals, and he comes. So Max comes over, and he's very frustrated because he's you know he, his guys scored a couple goals, and I go, well, Max, here's what I want you to do. When you're out there and the ball's down at the other end of the field, and you're just standing next to that guy, I just want you to talk to him in German. <laughs> He goes, what do I say to him? I go, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Talk about poetry. Talk about your English class. Talk about the weather. It doesn't matter to me because this is what's going to sound like. And and he won't know what is going on because you'll be just babbling to him in German. And it's going to it's going to confuse him. It's going to confuse him. It's going to intimidate him and everything like that. So. Play goes back down, and Max makes a couple good plays. The team makes a couple good plays. You know, the the momentum starts to shift, and then the timeout comes. You know, a couple minutes later, and he comes over. He goes, "Mr. New, it's working." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, of course it's working, Max. That's good. You're right. It is a lot of strategy. Lots of strategy. Uh. <laughs> that is so. Have you seen Have you seen Ted Lasso yet? I I have not seen it, but I am going to watch it because you have told me about it, and some other people, good friends, have told me about it. So I'm I'm gonna do look. It. You've got to App, Apple TV. You can you can get one week for free, and then you can cancel. You just binge that stuff one week. It's it's a it's a light supper of television. You eat, it's ten episodes. You can eat that in a week, no problem. Okay, just turn through it. It is brilliant. Why? Why do you like it so much? Because I've heard from other people who are very different from you that why they like it. But so I want to know why you like it. Okay, so it's not. It's. It's. I like it because I like Ted Lasso. I like Ted Lasso. I want more Ted Lasso in my life. I want to be ca- the character. The character. The, okay, got it. So I'll just tell you this. The only thing I'll tell you about it is that Jason Sudeikis created the character because he said it was what the world needed right now. And I would say it's not so far off from what we decided we needed when we started having these conversations, right? We just okay. like, sure, like some okay. joy, some joy, right? Just some like authentic joy. It is, and it's not that it's, it's a sitcom. It's a it's a sitcom. It's just you're watching it because of Ted Lasso, and some other characters that are pretty amazing. <laughs> That's why I like right, it. I'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. And then and then I'll come back. I'll I'll, I'll say this now. I'll come back. At some point in the future, on a future conversation. And you tell me why you love it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. (laughs) Because you're going to. All right, so here's what I think. This is just one little little idea, which is when you go to sporting events of kids who are around the age of anywhere from five to eight, there's always parents on the sideline that have lost their ever-loving minds 
and are cheering as if they are at the NCAA finals. I don't know if you've ever seen this. I'm sure you've seen uh, oh, it, right? Oh, yeah, I've seen it. I mean, the fights in the parking lot. We've all seen it, right? right. There's just, and I'll just, I'll be the first one to admit, I may or may not have had my moments of getting too involved in a game that couldn't possibly matter. All right, I'll, <laughs> I will say that. I have watched potentially a six-year-old soccer game and truly wanted the win. I, you know, I may or may not have yelled out, sweep the leg. You know, I'm not sure. <laughs> Those words could have could have come out. And here, so here's my invention that I think, or not invention, I just think this should be part of, of young people's sport. There should be these black boxes that you can walk into. They're just, they're boxes, but the front of it has a piece of plexiglass that you can see through. And the walls are soundproof. So as a parent who's had a tough week, I mean, I'm, I've had a tough week here, and now I'm here at this, wonderful game where my darling child is out in the field with a bunch of other people's darling children <laughs> but i can go into this box if i'm just not quite right <laughs> and i can say and behave and, and do anything i want in this box i can yell i can scream i can shake my fist i can bruise my hand from clapping i can do whatever i need to do and no one can see me but i can still take in the game I think this is. I think this should be like m- as mandatory as the porta potties that they bring into these fields. <laughs> you could line them all up: a couple porta potties, a couple of these boxes, and you could even tell other parents they had to go in. You could be like, "Honey, it's time. You need to go into one of the boxes." Because what, it, what would you name that box? What would be a good name? for I that? don't. That's a great one. It would have to be if you're going to call it box. It's because the first word has to be a B. It's got to have some alliteration. Yeah, I'll have to think on that one. Bad parent box. <laughs> there it is. That's it. The bad box. Go on in. You you've been quiet here. Have you never been that person? Ever. Well, I so certainly like I well actually so one time when I was coaching, I remember um a um one of the players missed a shot and I threw the clipboard down. Yep. <laughs> and Afterward, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm never going to do that again. Yeah. The kid didn't mean to miss a shot. There's no reason to react like that. I couldn't control that. You know, so so I uh, when I was when I've been at my own children's events or I've been in other. I mean, I, I'll get sort of tangled up like a pretzel, but <laughs> I try not to to verbalize. I, I, try, it. I try not to. I mean, of course I have. I'm sure. But I. I remember there were um, there was one parent um, whose uh, whose children were excellent athletes, and I remember watching him at a at all of his sporting his children's sporting event his son's sporting events, and he never said a word. And they were fabulous athletes. They made mistakes. They had great successes, and he just watched just stoically watched it so i i I try to model that that's pretty good the stoic the great stoic mason knew (laughs) i i don't think stoicism is for me i like the ideas of it that i just don't know that my personality (laughs) could actually pass the stoicism class but do you do you feel as though the crowd can actually change the outcome of a game like could spectator are spectators an important element of a game yes yes so all of our cheering is not for naught, to use the same fair, word in one sentence. Fair, uh, fair point. No, I, I think I think cheering in, in 
I just think like when your own individual kid is, you're sort of screaming about that. Oh yeah, that's one terrible. Play. Yeah. yeah. But oh, but but yeah, like cheering like for cheering. With, yeah for for positive outcomes. Yeah, oh, of course yes, of course. I mean, yes. do you yeah, remember? Yes, yes. Do you remember at Episcopal High School that the that that it was like there was the game going on for the team, but then there were also the cheering sections. Of the of the supporters on either side and the things that they would cheer back and forth to one another. <laughs> yeah, there were some there were some rough ones. Okay, but, but I, there I were gotta, some funny ones. I'm gonna too. tell you my favorites. So Episcopal High School is a boarding school, 100% boarding. All kids live on campus. You know this. But we would play the school down the street, St. Stephen St. Agnes. They would come in and they had two che- taunting cheers that I thought were pretty awesome. The first one was, "Our parents love us." <laughs> Our parents love us, which is pretty great <laughs> because all the kids are at boarding school. That's right. Yeah, and just in the in the world of wittiness. And then the second one was they would all take out their car keys and just start to tinkle them, all of them, because they could drive with cars and everyone in Episcopal couldn't. I thought those were pretty spectacular. <laughs> well, did you have when you were in the Marine Corps? Was there were there sports, or was it just it was a sport in itself? Like, is, did the Marine Corps look anything like what you had experienced in sport? Because that's the closest thing I can kind of put it to in my mind, having never served. Um, yes, I mean, so um, in, in okay, so to answer your question. Um, in the most basic form, a Marine Corps unit is a team. So, any anything you're doing, you're doing with the. You have a mission. You have an objective. You have to accomplish that mission. You have to, you know, you're going to be evaluated on that. Um, so, and you, no individual, can do it alone. So, you know, there's an officer who's fills the role somewhat of like the team captain, but also sort of dependent on the situation, like the coach. And then there are all the other Marines there that have to perform their function in their job and they have to they have to look out for one another. And, you know, one individual not doing his or her job uh, can have catastrophic consequences. So, yeah, I mean, the Marine Corps, the Marine Corps is sort of the ultimate team, you know, and, and in the combat units, uh, loyalty to each other is how they survive. Right, so there's never, a ch- I mean, I, I think the one thing you could probably break up pretty quickly, sometimes you can have a team, a sports team, where you've got, there's the superstar, there's the guy. Like He's great. Mm-hmm. He knows he's great. His teammates know that he's great. And in some circumstances, those teams don't ever really win because right. all the way to the top because they got one great guy. Yeah. And then sometimes when that one great guy goes, the team has to kind of step up and, you know, fill the void and do things together that they, because they can't have that one great guy anymore. But in the Marines, you don't ever have, have a situation where you get one great guy. No, it doesn't, doesn't exist. There's no, I mean, there are people who are better at certain things, but, you know, that the success of an individual does not matter. And, um, you know, so you asked the question earlier about teams, you know, for somebody who didn't never played a varsity sport, you know, the Marine Corps was really my varsity sport because it was like, okay, I got in there and I had to be a part of, of a, of a winning team. Now I didn't go to combat, so I don't have that experience. I've said that before, but, 
Um, but nevertheless, you know, there were all kinds of situations that I was in where I had to rely on other people and they had to rely on me. And that's what being a, a teammate is all about. And, and that was the great reward of, of service in the Marines. So I you just said something that I think, you know, it's just this notion of you have to rely on other people and other people have to rely on you. And that might be the center of, I mean, when you said that, I just kind of made me think of a broader idea of just community. Like the, the really good communities I've been a part of have been because everybody was relying on each other. Mm-hmm. And they also had to, they had to rely on you and you had to rely on them. It wasn't just one person coming in being the great benefactor right and helping everyone but never actually needing help themselves but that there's this there's this maybe there's like the, it's the team fabric of life really mm-hmm. that's that notion that you have to you have to need other people and they have to need you to make it really work so to go back to your um your crash course in stoicism <laughs> <laughs> thank you um, real short quotation which you'll appreciate but Marcus Aurelius says What's good for the hive is good for the bee. Oh, there we go. Maybe I am a Stoic. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's hope for me yet. <laughs> well, Stoicism doesn't mean lack of emotion. That's not the the point of Stoicism is to try to understand the systems that are around you and how you fit in, how you fit into those systems and what your obligations and duties are. And that's what a good team, a good military unit, a good company, a good community a good uh, neighborhood uh, whatever it is you know people having a collective interest in everyone thriving you know think about the places where where you've seen in your work or you've worked or or sports teams maybe you've been a part of where an individual doesn't get with the program and what is the effect of the worst it's the absolute worst it really it's so interesting how detrimental that is to the overall well-being of everyone else. It it, it it's so interesting. It, it's it, you can just watch it happening and it can be through no fault. It's just someone focused on themselves instead of the the greater the greater collective. Yeah, it's really interesting. I loved I loved the sports team um Structure. I mean, I, there's nothing that made me happier in my entire life than joining the cross country team down at St. Christopher's in 1986 and walking on to it actually being in a team of people who are doing something hard every day together. You get to know people in such a different way. And I think seeing how you can apply that to a grown up structure in life. Right. Like, what does that mm, look like? Mm-hmm. And what are the teams you've been on in a grown up structure? You know, we, we call our work things like sometimes like you're on a team, but some of them, they're really not a team. They're like really they really don't take any of these lessons that we learn from sport in our young younger days. But the ones that do apply it, it's amazing how they kind of bring in. I'm not saying this very clearly. I'm not doing a good job of articulating it. Well, I. I so and then also, you know, in any kind of team, in any kind of sport. So I would imagine a track team, for example, you have people who participate in different events. And so their individual skills in those events contribute to the success of the team, correct? That's correct. Now, but in cross country, 
that's not the same thing, right? Because it, everybody's running. What what's the difference in how those those teams sort so of it's work? A, so I love this. So cross country, you know how a cross country meet is scored? No. The, so the top five runners are you get take a, a um a score. So it's whoever gets the lowest score in cross country. When, cross country is such a weird sport. It has more in common with a crime scene than it does with sport. <laughs> there's a there's a chalk line. There's a man with a gun. There's a bunch of people running for the woods. <laughs> it's a very it's a very unique thing. So whoever gets the lowest score, top five runners actually that come in for your team get a score. Sixth and seventh displace. So six and seven don't get a score, but they'll displace the runner on the next team. They still hold their their point value. Does that make well, sense? No, it doesn't. Okay, so let's say I get number one, two, three, four, and five are all. We'll just go like St. Catherine's runners. Number six was a was a um, collegiate runner, and number number six for St. Catherine's came in. This is making this confusing. Came in seventh. They'll hold their place. So collegiate's eighth runner. Is going to still have to take the um, an eighth, an eight eight points. But if I'm not explaining this very well, but basically, if like your ninth runner comes in, we, they don't get to keep that that uh, number spot. Oh, okay. All right, now I understand. I'm okay. sorry. No, 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 it's not no, an no. Easy thing to explain. Yeah. Okay. And maybe it is. I'm clearly not doing well on any of my sports <laughs> tonight. It's like, the, how can I prove how dumb I am with sports? I think I've done it. Well done. Not just your spelling that's bad, Court, or your pronunciation. Looks like add sports to the list of things you do well. Oh my goodness. But wait, but the, so go back. So explain. So, but so the cross country running. Oh yeah. Team so there we go. Versus the track team. Yeah, what, you how, want how, you how want all your when you're on running cross country. You're a tight group of people because if your fourth runner doesn't do what he's supposed to do. Then the fifth runner is going to come in and be fourth, and you got to get your sixth runner. So you're really a team. I mean, you're uh, a I very, okay. very – you know everybody. Yep. You know what everyone's capable of. If someone doesn't do what they're supposed to, the next person has to come up. I mean, it is really a tight, full-on team feeling. On a track team, you usually break up. You get your field people. You get your short distance. You get your long distance. And it's by the end of the season that everyone really knows one another. The beginning of the season, you don't really know everyone. There's so many people on the team, mm -hmm. so it takes you a while to truly know your people. And then by the time you get to a state meet or the kind of the end of the thing, you're so excited about your four by four team, even though you're you run the 3200 and you you actually kind of because you've spent time together. You've spent time. You've right. seen each other. You understand. Do you how practice to together? Not you do. You show up at the same place, but, but. The, each person's each team unit's doing their own thing. Yeah. So it's a little bit more broken up i mean it's as big as a the you know full full out football team where you got your defense over here oh, okay. let me try and tell you about football now <laughs> <laughs> and then you got your offense over there you got your nose guards and your linemen <laughs> any other sports you want me to tell you about well we we went from baseball <laughs> Wait, wait, what is a diamond track uh, can, course? Can I take you through curling just for a second? <laughs> the ins and outs. The real details. <laughs> Rick Riley actually calls on me right before he writes his articles just to figure out who his really, really, really lowest hanging fruit audience is. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I do, I, I, I will tell you, 
I, I'll tell you just one final story here. I think you'll appreciate this. So, you know, when you were a college athlete and a high school athlete. Shocking at this point in the, in the conversation. <laughs> and, and you know, I didn't have that experience, as I said. And, and obviously, when you, when you graduate, I mean, if you're, if you're blessed enough to play sports in college, many of my friends did. Um, Melissa did. You know, I, I've always admired that. I mean, that's a truly incredible experience and also, you know, a sincere dedication because you're in college and you got all the demands of that. And then you've got Drinking your social and, life and then you've got, yeah. you know, sports and everything. So, but after college, you know, it, it's a little know, bleak. I, it's yeah, bleak. I mean, people, people play in, you know, adult leagues or whatever. Anyway, I was living in uh, in Washington D.C. and uh, and some friends of mine decided to formulate a softball team. Now, these guys, some of them had played football in college. Some of them had even played baseball. Some of them, like me, had were reasonably athletic or coordinated, but didn't hadn't played sports, whatever. So we made this group, and we called ourselves the Louisville. Huggers. Nice. <laughs> nice. Instead of the sluggers. And we played in this league and, and it was down um, uh, in Washington, D.C. along the, the mall. And we played this one team. And, and I couldn't come to a lot of the games because my work schedule was strange. But anyhow, um, so I came in to this one game and they're like, Mason, you're going to pitch, which was slow pitch softball. But but. You, you had to throw it. it it had you know you had to arc it a certain amount and then there was a strike zone obviously and and all this kind of stuff anyway short story here we played a team that were all Maryland state prison guards oh my goodness <laughs> I mean these these men were huge and they were strong and they were good and they they were they they worked together they they knew each other real well and so this one guy gets up, and I, I've got a pitch against him, and I'm thinking, he's <laughs> going to hit this thing across the Potomac River. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is going to just go so far. He's been lifting weights on his lunch break, <laughs> yeah. or or um, in between the innings, yeah. you know. Anyway, so I throw him one pitch, strike. Throw him the second, and and uh, it was a two strike. You two strikes and you're out. I throw him the second one and he takes this big swing and he misses. Right, so he strikes out. Okay, which happens, you know, That's no big right. deal, whatever. Right. I mean, his friends were giving him a hard time. Right? I'm sure. Then he gets back up in the game later, <laughs> <laughs> and I struck him out again. Come on. <laughs> and then his friends were really teasing me because he was so big and I'm this sort of like spindly guy <laughs> up there, you know, just came still in my business <laughs> socks. <laughs> Say. Still have your dress shoes on, you know. Right, you know, running onto the field, taking my tie off. So that was fun. That was fun. That is fun. You've taken a you've, you've taken a prison guard down in two pitch softball. Yeah, yeah. And I and I hope he never takes me down in, That's in right. his he, is his chosen. I hope you never meet him again yeah, exactly. for many reasons. Exactly. <laughs> That's a team I don't want to be on. Oh gosh! Well, court as usual. Well, this is interesting, and I it's think hilarious. what we've decided here um, is that I need a course 
to take on sports uh, terminology so that I can actually start to participate again in conversations about sports <laughs> in general. I think I'm also going to just circle back around to a quote that you talked about in a previous episode, which is, it is better to have people think you are a fool than open your mouth and remove all doubt. I finally, you said that quote earlier, and I thought, that's good, but now I understand the true meaning of it. And with that, it's halftime. Thank you, Court. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and share with any of your friends you think might enjoy being a part of this conversation. We'd also love to hear your thoughts and stories. So visit us at www.igotoneforya.com or email us directly at igotoneforya.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>